So, uh, Heidi Onabedi, uh, welcome to The Journey. And, Thanks uh, for having me. Um, not a problem. And so The Journey as a whole is um, a program um, for our listeners that really talks about the idea of transformation and the idea of uh, when, when an ordeal happens, how do we overcome that ordeal? How do we fail forward? And I know uh, in a handful of different areas of your life that has uh, you've overcome a handful of different things, and then what you're doing for a living now um, is helping um, helping individuals. So why don't you tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, but before you get started with that, um, what does Heidi do for fun? What do I do for fun? I go up to our lake house. Sure, yeah. That's what I do for fun. Yeah, and I know that pretty well because yeah, you we're do. right across the bay. We're neighbors. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and so tell now you're from Rockford, right? I am from Rockford. Okay, and um, you graduated from what high school? I went to Guilford High School. Okay. And then went on to one year at University of Wyoming. Okay. Decided the snow was, you know, a bit too much. It's a little more intense than here. Yeah. Love the snow, but sure. I just wanted for college to do something else. Went to Arizona State. That's where I graduated from. Okay. okay. And then ended up back here, which I did not think I would. Of course. But, uh, yeah. And it, now I'm here. <laughs> now, when you were at Arizona State, what did you major in? Yeah. I have a psychology degree and a teaching degree. Oh, okay. So when you were thinking about teaching, what, what level were you? High school. Okay. Definitely right. high school. So second. Yeah. Now, did you yeah. actually teach in the high schools? No, actually, at that time, when I came back to Rockford, they were in the teacher freeze and okay. all the lawsuit and okay. getting a job in that area was not existent. So I went to um, Janet Waddles oh, really? and I was an emergency therapist okay. at Janet Waddles. Okay. Well, and obviously I have, I have some familiarity. I never worked at Janet Wiles, but I know that that's a pretty, which is now the Ware Center um, mm-hmm. with Rosecrans, is a pretty, uh, it was a pretty, it's a pretty tough introduction to... Uh, baptism by fire. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So now, how long were you at Janet Wiles? I was there a little over a year. Okay. And then I heard about this job at the Blood Center. Okay. And I was like, huh, this kind of could be fun. Okay. And I went over and... That was in 1988. I started working okay. at the Rock River Valley Blood Center. At okay. the time, it was the Northern Illinois Blood Bank. Okay. And I've been there since 1988. Okay. So when you first were there, well, well, first tell us what what did you what did you find interesting about that when you first were doing going from Janet Waddles, which is like frontline um, dealing with crisis, dealing with case management um, type of work with chronically mentally ill usually. Um, to work at the blood center? Well, it, it was a kind of a transition in the sense of I, I liked the fact I was still with people because mm-hmm. I was doing mobile recruitment. So I was t- I headed up the mobile blood drive program. Okay. And I was going out meeting with groups and people and businesses, asking them to host a blood drive. So I would work directly with chair people. So I still had that one-on-one contact with people. Out of the office, I really liked being kind of on the road and doing that type of thing and so that was a it was a really great job for me okay so so when people see the um like like the rv that has the blood center um on on so that was a part of the program that you started here locally yes okay yes yeah we went from having about a hundred blood drives about 80 to 100 blood drives a year when i started and now we have over 500 a year oh my goodness okay so Tremendous so, growth in our community with blood. Sure. So what is it about um, the mobilization of the blood drives? Uh, um, maybe I'm not saying that correctly, but 
going out to where people are at or when there's a drive for it, what's different about that than people just coming to the blood center? Well, it's a lot easier to get someone, say, that lives in Rochelle to come down the street okay. and donate at a mobile blood drive at their church, you know, at their at their group where they're comfortable than driving all the way into Rockford and doing it at a center. So, you know, it opens up the doors for people. It basically gives them an opportunity to give where they're comfortable, to give with their friends, sure. with a group that they may belong to or their neighbor or their coworker. It's the camaraderie thing and getting people to donate. Most of our new donors come from mobile blood drives. So about 80% of all the people that we get that are new donate on a mobile drive. And that's because we're coming to them. Sure. The chances of getting someone to say, hey, Go down to the blood center, unlikely in normal times. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, and then when you, when someone comes to a blood drive, what what would you say if if they're? I'm guessing you guys have numbers about this. If you were gonna. Um, throw a number out of individuals that come to a blood drive for the first time, what's the likelihood that they become uh, a regular donor? You know, it's hard to track that. Okay. Um, because the system over time we've had computers now we're getting more into the having that tracking system sure. so that that i don't know how oh, many okay. stick um okay. but most people are repeat donors sure. i mean if you put it in perspective though and this is a shocking figure last year they the blood center collected or had sixteen thousand roughly active donors Okay. providing all the blood for the area we serve, which is 500,000 people. Oh my goodness. So 16,000 citizens all through the six-county radius, that's all we had that were okay. providing the blood. Now, multiple there were multiple givers. Sure. They come more than once, obviously, mm -hmm. but that's an incredible, incredibly low number yeah. of people. Yeah. So we really need to get out there and have more people participate in this and yeah. become blood donors. Gotcha. Okay. We really need that support. Okay. Well, let me, I'm going to, before we jump into more of that, I want to know, just have the audience know a little bit more about you as a mm -hmm. person, because it isn't just you and your household and your immediate household that are um, involved with helping the community. Um, uh, Mike, your husband, as well as your son and daughter, uh, tell us a little bit about your your whole family because it isn't just uh, one person in the family that's out trying to help people. What's uh, yeah? Well, my husband, he is the owner of Benny and Sons Body Shop. You've probably heard the yeah. annoying jingle on yeah. the phone <laughs> or on the radio. And I I like to tell people I'm the singer, but I'm really not. But I, sure. I like to say that sure, I am. Yep. <laughs> and so he, you know, he really does thrive on the fact of helping people. That sure. it it is a business to him, but he truly has a heart that he likes to help people and help them out. So you know, and and I and I I know the jingle you're talking about, but <laughs> you know what what is interesting about that particular um, radio ad is that I think that's one of the things that when people are in that situation where you know they've been in a car accident, now their transportation is if not totaled, it's it's damaged yeah. enough that they it wasn't like it was before the accident. Right. And who do I trust? Right. And I know that with the work that Mike does, one of the things that um, he prides himself on um, is being able to be trustworthy yes. about not only doing good work, but then also um, working with insurance companies to get um, the work done with what needs to be done and get good In parts. the proper way. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. make sure that your vehicle is safe again. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's important I, to them. And, and for yeah. us non-car people, um, I like driving them, but yeah. I know nothing else about <laughs> them. Um, I know I need to trust someone else right. to bring me through that process. Right. And so then your oldest. Uh, My oldest is, son is a Rockford firefighter. Yeah. So he found his niche in life and loves it. And that's what he loves to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy for him. So. So, so and how long has Conrad been a first responder? He's me? been on the fire department. I think it's going on three years. Wow. Two to three years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. It's maybe it's two. I don't know. Two or three years. Sure. So sure. kind of flies by, but. And I know this has got to be uh, for a mom. Uh, this has got to be a little bit of an unnerving time uh, with, with what he has to be doing right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, it, it's always unnerving when your child is in that type of a position. Yeah. Um, every shift it, as a mom, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'm sure my husband thinks I'm crazy, but you know, I think about it, you sure. know, hope that everything's okay. And yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think we're going to do that, right? If we're, if we're yeah. conscious about what our kids are doing, we're going to, our adult children are doing, we're, we are going to be. You can't help it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now what we do with that, that may be something That's right. Different. How you handle it. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and then you have a daughter. I have a daughter, Hayden, and she is actually, um, just finished up her master's degree and she's a trainer at the fit in town and working with Jared Schomburg and she loves doing that too. So she loves helping people, you know, with their workouts, get better health or diet. So she, she, again, she likes to help people. Yeah. And now her world's changed a little bit now with, yeah, uh, she's unemployed. With, sheltering, <laughs> with the sheltering. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's, they're actually doing, um, workouts online, okay. you know, where everybody's transitioning and trying to make do and the gym is doing online workouts for the clients where we can sign in at, on Facebook on a special page and they, they're, they're doing the workouts for us okay. online and showing us what to do. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So she's, she's obviously going to continue her workouts because she knows what to do, but, yeah. but she's helping um, uh, institute this new way of doing stuff while we're in the sheltering time right. period. Yeah. Okay. And everyone misses, you know, going to the gym and the camaraderie, but really it's the smart thing to do if right. you can stay away from people you should yeah and and here i'm going to ask people to come in so there's a difference so yes, so. Yes. so um and and working with the blood center so let's let's talk about that right now right now is a is one of those times in our history where it's uh it's an unprecedented time because of uh what's happening with the virus and how it's impacting and and impacting individuals um, having to go to the hospital let alone um there's still going to be car accidents that are going to happen. There's still going to be surgeries that need to happen that have nothing to do with the virus. So it's not mm-hmm. like those things have slowed down, though maybe some accidents maybe are less because there's not as many people on the road. Right. Not but, as much trauma. We're yeah. seeing that yeah. a little quiet in that area, which is obviously a good thing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the the process of going through with, with giving blood and um, in and obviously you've talked about, you know, what the importance is. We have, you know, 16,000 on an annual basis and average donors that are, that are giving. And we have a half a million um, people that potentially would need that, um, need that blood. So if, if I was going to come and give blood, what, um, what's the process like and, and how does it actually work? And like, is there any risk or dangers or any of that type of stuff? So, well, basically, you know, we, we have had to change some dynamic right now about mm-hmm. giving blood. So the process is a little bit different than what had been a week ago. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of weird to think that we've flipped that quick. But we first and foremost, we want you to have an appointment. 
Okay. So that's the most important thing right now is for social distancing to make sure that we maintain people away from each other, not waiting, congregating, you know, big groups of people coming in. We want to space people out. So that's the biggest change in our, because we used to just come on in and we'll register you. So, sure. so that's a little different. Have an appointment. We also have a, a new program that we weren't going to launch, but we did launch it already. Um, and it's been working well. So I'm very happy about that. We were wor- worried that there'd be bugs. It's called Quick Pass. And that enables you to do your questions at home. And you can do them at home and then just bring in your cell phone with your little barcode and we scan it and then you move straight through to the next step of the mini physical. And the mini physical is where we take your blood pressure, your temperature, your pulse, make sure you're healthy enough, make sure all your questions are answered. The the, um, donor care staff will go through more questions with you. You pass through there, you go in, you donate blood. Five to eight minutes with a needle in your arm. That's the worst part. That's what everyone, well, actually some people think the finger stick's the worst part. But yeah. <laughs> then, you know, you give you give blood five to eight minutes and then there's cookies. Okay. And that's the end. I mean, you plan about an hour from start to finish. Okay. Um, with the quick pass, I think it is making times a little different. But again, it's hard to tell that right now because our whole system is different. So I don't sure. really have like a good feel on is it cutting off time for people? Because do you still have to wait? I, you know, so we're still saying about an hour from sure. start to finish to okay. plan on that. Okay. And you know, it's you're you're saving up to three people's lives. Okay. I mean, it really is a life saving. You don't get blood unless you really need it. Right. Right. So with with that, so um, an average person. Oh, so how much blood, like during that five to seven minutes, mm-hmm. or five to eight minutes, when um, the blood's drawn? How much blood is drawn? We're taking one pint, one. which is I put it in terms of the little milk cartons at that schools. Okay. The two of those little milk cartons. Okay. That's so, how much we're taking out. Okay. Your body has between eight and twelve pints of blood in it, depending, depending on how your size, size and its ratio. That's okay. an average. Okay. So losing one is not detrimental to anybody. Right. Especially in like a, a productive, uh, a constructive way like this, right? Right. So, so what, how does then the body, from what you understand, how does the body regenerate that? So like, so if I give blood, let's say, you know, today, then what am I going to possibly feel like afterwards? You might feel a little tired because we're taking your red cells and your red cells carry your oxygen. So okay. that's a little bit of a depletion. Okay. And that's going to take about four to six weeks for your red cells to return. Okay. So we, FDA tells us you have to wait eight weeks in between donation to make sure that all your red cells have replaced. And that's, you know, because everybody does it at a different pace. So Mm -hmm. that's a little bit longer just to make sure. We do test um, your hemoglobin, which is your finger stick. And that's when we take the little drop of blood to see how much hemoglobin you have in your body. And that determines basically your your levels of your red cells. So we're, we're checking that ahead of time. You must have extra to be able to be a donor. Okay. So you we won't take you if you're low. Okay. Gotcha. You have to be above average in your hemoglobin to okay. be a donor. So then so then by being if I if I test to be a candidate by having above average mm-hmm. hemoglobin then then that also probably institutes that I'm uh, going to recover I'll, I'll recover on time and correct and not no, right we're not, not going to deplete you you're not going to feel all these negative effects of not having enough blood so and we also have people drink 
fluids afterwards. We sure. tell you to drink something. We want to replace the fluid part of your blood, the volume part of your blood. The red cells won't be replaced because those are made in your marrow. Mm-hmm. So those that'll take a while for those to be regenerated. Gotcha. So then, so now that everyone even has even a more heightened uh, concern about uh, getting sick or illness mm-hmm. and how does or how does this affect your immune system or does it affect your immune system? We don't have any studies on that, that there's negative effects of that. It's a really good question. Mm-hmm. It's been posed, but as far as we know, your immune system is, if you're, if you're healthy, it's mm-hmm. not going to affect you. Let's put it this way. If you're on the verge of a cold and you don't feel good, that's why we tell you you must be well and healthy. Mm-hmm. It's more for you because you could then be dropped down below your levels and get sick. Gotcha. So we want to make sure, you know, if you don't feel good, we don't want you donating, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's, it's really for your health. Right, it's right. not so much on the health of the other end of the person. Mm-hmm. It's not, that's not receiving. The, right. But, yeah. It's, it's more on the, your health. Right. Our, our first safeguard is for you. Right. And we also want to, you know, we're also asking all these questions for the safeguard right. of the patient. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are like, why do I have to ask, answer these questions every time? And some of them are embarrassing, you know, yeah. they're sexual questions they're sexual history questions. It's people are, get uncomfortable and um we have to ask it because you haven't been with us we haven't seen you in eight weeks we don't know what you did you know we don't know where you've been what you did and we have to ask them every single time um funny story we had a group of their brown nuns they wear brown oh yeah okay so they came they would come in all the time this is an old story but no one wanted to do the interview because they're like, I don't want to ask these nurses or these nuns these questions. <laughs> sure. And they were like, it's okay. We know you have to ask them. Because it was, you know, it's just what we have to do. Sure. It, the sure. questions are awkward sometimes, yeah. but it's to safeguard the recipients. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense because if you're, as an organization, is trying to build on that 16,000 that are average, mm-hmm. the, the annual donors, then you want to make sure that it's, a good experience and one way to ensure a good experience is that they're healthy when they give the blood right and you you have to and I, I can't emphasize this enough we've had um i think about 150 people in the last week that have been new which mm-hmm. is phenomenal mm-hmm. new donors but we've had some reactions so what i would tell people is you need to eat something every single one of these people that have had a reaction around some weird diet and they're not eating before they come and they're not drinking fluids. So we want to make sure you do that. It's not like you're going to the doctor for a blood test where they tell you to fast. We're just opposite. We're your excuse to go through the drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Okay, Go get it. (laughs) Eat it before you come. Mm -hmm. That's, That's your treat. You get to do that, and you get cookies afterwards. This is not the time to diet when you donate blood. We want you to have food in your stomach. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, speaking of, I know this time period, uh, and you've been doing this since 88, so there's been a lot of different things that have happened in our community and uh, nationally, internationally. Mm -hmm. Um, But we we talked earlier about when 9-11 happened in 2001. And and at that point, I mean, not there – there was an increase in, obviously, in New York City and in Washington, D.C., there was an increased need um, because of the trauma that happened because of the accidents with the, with the plane. Well, actually, there was not an increase. Well, that's, what, that's what was the misconception oh, because okay. everybody died. Oh, so that's true. So okay. there was no need. Okay. And so there really was no recovery. But people, you know, President Bush, go donate blood. Mm. Go donate <laughs> 
And while it was great, when we found out, we found out quite early that there wasn't going to be a lot of need. We did help, the blood center did help stock New York. We were a part of their, we sent 700 units and were able to help restock them to be prepared. But the need wasn't that big. But the lines outside the blood center, I've never seen anything like it in my life. The patriotism, the people that came out, they just wanted to do something, which is great. But at some point, you have to stop it. Right, right. And we did. We ended up telling people, you know, don't. we don't need it now. We need you to come back in two weeks. We need you to come back in a month. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They didn't come back. Mm-hmm. So we ha- experienced a big shortage again because so many people came out at first. Then they're not eligible again for two more months. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't come back. When we find tragedy and disaster, everybody has that need. Mm -hmm. As you know, that they want to help, they want to do something. And Mm -hmm. giving blood is a great way to do it. But we need to do it in a responsible way. Mm -hmm. Because if we over-collect, we we have to throw it away. So it doesn't do us any good to collect blood and not be able to use it. So we want to be really good stewards of the blood. And that's part of the whole, we were talking about the appointments. People are, are great. We had a huge need last week because we lost all kinds of high schools. We lost a lot of units. We were able to make those up. We're actually in a really good position now, but that could change at any time. Yeah. You know, again, yeah. it, it that happens like instantly where we don't have enough. So it's the blood on the shelves that saves lives. Mm-hmm. We need a constant supply mm-hmm. because when you come in and donate, you said you're going to give this week. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. We can't use your blood for three days. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take three days to process it. So when people come out and respond to the tragedy that already happened, if we don't have blood on the shelves, it's mm-hmm. great that they're responding, but that's not gonna do us any good for three days. I see. Okay. So we really need to. It's a balancing act. Mm-hmm. This is an. It's an art. Sure. And so we're really with social distancing. Um, being able to keep people apart in the donor room. We've had to move our beds. We don't have a whole lot of room you know, that we're working with. Mm-hmm. We're switching things around, so that's where the appointment comes in. We mm-hmm. want to make sure we schedule an appointment. But we might, when you call, we may say we are scheduling now the week of April 6th. Mm-hmm. Please don't think that doesn't mean we don't need it, mm-hmm. because we do. Right. We are going to need it, and right. it's going to be constant. And the fact that you are willing to come and step up is phenomenal and we need to keep that that momentum going on a on a slow burn we Mm -hmm. don't need it all at once right so in some ways not that people like going to the dentist but um in some ways (laughs) it's like kind of a maintenance schedule for overall well-being overall health of the community is if you scheduled two to three times a year to give blood then there'd be a steady amount of You know, if everybody that could donate would donate, there's figures out there that we would only donate once every five years. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, you know, it's pretty staggering when you think about that. So if we could get our community, the people that are able, because not everybody is able to donate blood, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not everybody's able to do that. You know, we all have different things in our bodies. We have different illnesses, conditions, you know, things that keep us from being eligible. But if the people that are able to do it, did it, you know, two, like you said, two, four times a year on a regular schedule, we wouldn't have blood shortages. We would not at all. So, you know, it's definitely, there are enough of us out there 
that are healthy enough mm-hmm. to make up for the people that just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Some people can't do it because they they just psychologically can't do it. Right, and right. that's okay too. You right. know, it's not it doesn't have to be for everyone. And right. if you try it and it just didn't go well for you, well, good for you. You tried. At right. least you made the effort. You know, there's a lot of people that don't make effort. Yeah. So another question I have um, is about, uh, and again, I don't remember this from biology class okay. and from my, from my science I do. class. No. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, there's different types of blood. Yes. And, and so... Um, and with the different types of blood, then there's a now I don't necessarily myself because I don't actually remember what my type is. I don't need to be. You'll take care of all yep, that. You don't need done. to know. You okay. don't. We'll tell you when you a couple of days afterwards. You'll get a little card telling you what your blood type was. Honestly, you know a lot of people used to like to carry that card with them. Sure. If you need blood in the hospital, they're going to cross match you. You could be screaming on the card, "I'm an O pause," and yeah. look, "Okay, yeah. <laughs> we're going to we, find out. We're, we got <laughs> we're going to make sure." <laughs> right. But you, so, but it's an interesting fact to know. True. You know, so most people, the most common blood type is O positive. That is the most widely used blood, okay. and that's because if there were a hundred of us in a room, and something happened, thirty-eight of us would need O positive blood. Okay. So there's a misconception. I have really rare blood. You want my blood? Mm-hmm. Not really, because it's not gonna. You know, it's gonna be one person in the room with your A negative blood. Oh, so, kind of. You know, it's still needed. Yeah. You know, that's the thing because it's. The, we have a little saying: the rarest type of blood is the one that's not available when you need it. Sure. Everybody's important. Every blood type's important, and we like to put people on schedules based on your blood type. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some people we say, don't come in until we call you. But when we call you, we need you to come in. Um, I'm an OPAS. They'll tell me you can come every eight weeks. Mm -hmm. You can come as much as you want because we need it a lot. O negative, that's another uncommon blood type, but that's the universal donor. Anybody can use O negative blood. It's you know, the gold standard. That's oh. what everybody in a trauma, in a baby, and, you know, those. So, own eggs are super important, and everybody wants own eggs. Okay. They're not very common. So, oh. if you're own egg, yeah, we want you every eight weeks, and we will call you constantly if we find out you're an own egg. Sure, so, sure. again, it's all dependent on your blood type. But again, everybody's important, and depending on what's happening at the hospital, if we have a trauma that's using 50 units of A positive, we're going to need a positive people. So again, it just depends on the type of blood, you know, what's going on. Well, you know, it's interesting as you were talking, and I think when things like what's going on with the COVID um, virus and how it's impacting um, uh, worldwide as as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, locally, um, we, we see how we're so interconnected. And, and there is, um, the longer that, that this is going on, the, the more, um, of the social responsibility that we're talking about. And, and, and that's interesting. I, I don't think I ever really was piecing things together until you were just talking about, about being responsible with pacing the collections and it, because it has a shelf life and you want it, you want the shelf to always be full but yeah. it, it, it at the at the same time, uh, you, we never know when it's going to be needed. And yeah, and you know, with nine eleven, I one of our little recruiting things is that somebody is having a nine eleven day right now. 
Yeah. You know, something's happening to someone somewhere that tragedy, it's just tragic. And they, and you don't know when that's going to hit you. You don't know if your day is today. Right. And a lot of people are like, oh, I've never given because no one asked me. Or, you know, until my dad needed it with chemotherapy, I didn't realize how much it was used. Until it hits home, yeah. people don't, you know, and like now this, COVID, we're asking people, a lot of people have never even thought about it before. Not that they weren't willing. They just, oh, I've never really been asked to give blood. Right. So, it, and again, it's a constant. Once this, you know, we're, we're all locked up right now. Yeah. And so they have, oh, I'll go to the blood bank. I can get right. out, <laughs> so, which is great. And we want people to. But once you're not in quarantine and, you know, in lockdown, when you go back to life being normal to your own pace and your own things and your your soccer games and your kids things and don't forget about the blood bank because that doesn't stop all those people that are in the hospital their their life is tragically affected those days and we really need people to remember that that there's something even though your life might be back to normal someone else's isn't and we need to be able to fulfill that need for them well, I think, you know, going along with what you were talking about regarding working out mm-hmm. and, uh, and and other things along with that, it's it's not just when we're in crisis or when we, you know, getting ready for the beach or whatever it may be. It's how do we create it into a lifestyle? How does it become part of our normal? Um, we may not like going to the dentist because of all the things that go along with that. And we may not necessarily like having a needle in our arm, but there's a bigger purpose here. And right. it serves a bigger whole and it serves our community. And, and I think right now with this disorder that's going on to our normal, um, it is a time for us to be asking, um, how can we help? How can we become more um, socially conscious? Um, and what, what part can I play? And what I'm hearing you say is make an appointment mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to see if I can donate blood. And um, and then make that part of my lifestyle, not just a one-time event. Right. And, and the other thing that we're doing that we kicked off during this whole timing is everything, right? So sure. it worked out fine. We're doing the, the um, hashtag give blood challenge. Oh, okay. And the whole idea of this is to raise awareness. So when you go in and make your appointment, if you take a picture of yourself and then tag 10 of your friends to be to donate and challenge them to donate and you know what some of your people you might not know can't give Mm -hmm. it's okay they can still tag people i mean because even though you can't do it yourself you can still tag people to become a donor because the whole idea we pick 10 is because probably not all 10 are going to come to your challenge Mm -hmm. right you know if you get one we'll be really excited but but it's the idea is to raise awareness and it, actually, we did it with the other blood centers in the state of Illinois. We kind of kicked it off with everybody, and our state's doing it. Well, now other our uh, other associations of our blood centers, like our national organizations, have heard we're doing this, and now they want in on it. So this could be a whole national thing, like the ALS challenge. Yep. Yep. That's kind of what this was paired off of. Sure. And to challenge your friends, we need awareness. Yep. We need awareness that it's not – you know, people say, I've never donated because no one asked. Well, right. now you're going to get asked. Get asked, right. Yeah. And the key, though, is to um, do it with an appointment, with it pacing, and then not just right now when you're being challenged, but how to incorporate. Right. It could yeah. be in a month. Yeah. You know, you could say, okay, I'm going to make it a goal. Someone, Kevin asked me to donate. I'm going to next month make an appointment and do it. It doesn't have to be right this second. Right. It's, but keep that appointment yeah. and make that appointment. 
you know, we'll take your appointment a month out. We'll sure. take it two months out. Sure. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> sure. we'll, we'll take your appointment when you're ready to do it. But we want people to, you know, make this part of their 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 life. Normal. This is this should be everyone's norm, you know. And if again everybody stepped up, it'd be a a couple times a year we'd be swimming in blood. Sure, sure. But okay. it's you know, realistically, yep. I don't know <laughs> if it'll be like that. But we just really need people to be more aware. And the more new people, and you know, when people do it, they're like, it was really not that bad. That right. was not a big deal. That was awesome. And they. They have such a good experience. It's a fun place to go. Mm-hmm. It really is. The staff is great. They are really good with what they do. Um, I can't encourage it more. It's a, usually a really, really good experience. Even if someone on that offset has a reaction or a bad experience, most of those people come back. Sure. They're like, no, I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Well, like you said, they probably know that it, tie, it was tied into not eating beforehand or, or something else. Right. So. so so Heidi, as we're wrapping up today, and I know you've given us a lot of great information and, and, and some great instruction, but if there was anything that you would want to leave the listeners with, what would you want to leave them with? I'd just say, you know, remember there's always someone out there that needs your help. Mm-hmm. And there are things you can do to help. And a lot of times people are like, I just don't know what to do. Well, you know, most people, if you're healthy weigh at least 110 pounds and are in general good health, you probably can be a blood donor. Perfect. Okay. Um, Actually, Dalton, if you could hand me that. Now I've got the microphone here. But this is is where you can contact um, Heidi. Um, And um, so... uh, Just as as we've been talking... um, and Heidi has been sharing about how we can get involved and how we can make a difference in our community, um, most importantly, by making an appointment, but then also making a commitment to it being part of our lifestyle and our new normal as, as we move ahead. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you soon.